lot of people who don't know about eating disorders would just think it's such a vain mental health. You just want to be thin. It's not that. You're not eating. Your brain's not functioning. I'll look in the mirror, but you'll see something that isn't real. This might not be for everyone. You need to let whoever isn't being affected by anorexia do what they still love to do. You don't have to be a runner or be super lean. You don't have to look a certain way to be considered healthy and fit. Welcome fitness fanatics to the PhysiCal podcast where we dive deep into fitness, health and the business behind it all. I'm Coach Cal and I am here to help you break the mold. Welcome back, PhysiCal community. I am very excited because today we have a super special episode. Now, I need to highlight that this episode could be a trigger for anybody who has had a prior eating disorder. So if you think that this could trigger you in some way, potentially skip over this episode. But for the rest of you, I'm very excited to dive into this because I think that this is going to be something that either people have gone through, can relate to, or could even help someone at the moment. So I am joined by one of my closest friends, Bella. Hey, Bells. Hello. <laughs> Bells is a bit nervous to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We're going to work through it. As we've said, just a recorded mm-hmm. conversation between you and me. Yeah. it's good. So a little bit about Bella before we get started. So Bella and I know each other from track and field days. Don't worry about that. It won't be on the recording. Sweet. Yeah. I was like, is that going <laughs> to? Nah. Oh, no, yeah, cool. <laughs> so we know us to each other from track and field days. We were both high achievers in that, <laughs> I would say. We've both been in many nationals mm-hmm. uh, and state teams as well. And... Bells, what else about you? You're also a nurse mm-hmm. currently yeah. and I guess what we're going to be yeah, diving into today is your experience with your eating disorder that kind of started for you in high school. I know this journey and story is different for a lot of people as well and obviously you can only speak from your own experience in this but in term, tell, talk us through when you kind of started developing this eating disorder, and I know you don't exactly know what's, what exactly triggered it, but mm-hmm. what were some of the contributing factors, do you think, for how everything started for you? I think it would have begun probably at the end of grade 10. I had just, I like to say, like I peaked in grade 10, like in terms of fitness and like what I was achieving in athletics at the time and even like other curricular activities. And I feel like... I had had a really good year in sporting and in my head, like I'm not even social media at the time because like Instagram and things weren't a huge thing at the time. But like you see in magazines and everything about like women losing weight and feeling better and doing all that stuff. And even though I was, what, 15, I think at the time I would have been, I kind of felt like I needed to lose some weight to even get better at my athletics. Mm. So like I remember thinking I'll just lose two kilos and I'll be sweet. Like I'll just continue my athletics and whatever. And then, and also I need to factor in the fact that when we did athletics and still to this day, you don't have to wear bummers. It's like the little bikinis kind of, I would say, and like the sports bras, Mm. but like that's what people wore. So that's what I wore because that's what all the girls were wearing. So you obviously don't want to look, you want to look good in it. So I was thinking, let's just lose two kilos. I'll look great in that. I'll be better at athletics. And I remember I lost two kilos pretty easily because the amount of exercise I was doing, all I had to do was cut out a meal or like, I don't know, just 
eat better in general because, like, I never had a bad diet but I would have, like, had treats and things because I could at the time and, like, I didn't give a shit. I didn't give a shit, like, what I ate because I was exercising and I felt good and stuff. And so I remember cutting out a meal, lost two kilos, don't know what the time frame was but pretty quickly. And then it just, you know, when you're good at something, you want to keep doing it. Mm. I was good at losing weight so I kept doing it. And it spiralled and, like, I knew I had an issue within, again, time frames. I don't really remember. I don't remember a lot from when I was ill. Um, maybe three, four months it would have, like, spiralled out of control into, like, maybe six months. By the time, like, it had become maybe five, six months, it was 10, 12 kilos that mm. had just gone. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's where it first started is not blaming athletics because obviously there's a multitude of factors, but, like, what we wore, it's addicting mm. to lose weight. I was good at it. It was easy. That's how it started. And then it just spiralled. Yeah, interesting. Were you getting positive reinforcements Absolutely. from... Absolutely. At the start I was. Yeah. And then it would have got to the point where everyone was like, mm, like, it's there's obviously an issue. Yeah. Like at the start, 100%, I would have been getting compliments and I thought I was looking really good too. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, and that's another thing, is the more I did it, the bigger and bigger I thought I was getting, if that makes really? sense. Really? Like Physically? It, it's a body dysmorphia thing. So like still to this day, I'll look in the mirror and like I know I'm not big. Like I'm aware of that. But you'll see something that isn't real. Mm. So like even when I was so malnourished I knew I was malnourished but I didn't see that in the mirror I saw something completely different wow that's so, so interesting yeah yeah definitely and so what you were seeing in the mirror was obviously a larger version of you were a you larger version yeah were you constantly were you like pinching yourself or finding areas Always. yeah it's not even though that I saw myself in the mirror as being like large it's just that I wanted to be tiny. Uh, mm. So, like, I could see that I was small, but I was, like, not good enough. Let's be smaller. Yeah, interesting. Mm. And you mentioned as well about the people around you mm -hmm. starting to notice. And I also had a friend that was going mm. through anorexia in high school and this was something that was so difficult as an external party mm. I had no idea how to tackle that, what to say. Yeah. Did anyone try to talk to you and probably your parents um again I I don't know if it's because I've like pushed it out of my memory I don't remember a lot from grade 11 and 12 um I wasn't there for most of grade 11 anyway but I remember I think my best friend would have noticed but again if you don't you don't know what to say like how do you approach that you can't just well, you could, but people don't go up to people and say, you have an issue, you yeah. need help. Mm. Like, although maybe someone should have, I don't know. And that's the other thing is like, I was in denial. I knew I had an issue. Like I was happy. I was thriving because I was tiny. And that's all that mattered in my life at the time. And like, we were discussing earlier, I think, um, like athletics, my coach at the time, he knew. Like it got to the point, I'm pretty sure what from what my mum told me is he's told my mum that I need help. And, like, I think she 
tried, but obviously I was in denial. So it would have had to be her forcing me to get help. And I was in a competition once at nationals for the heptathlon. I think we were in Adelaide and got to the last event, the 800, obviously my least favorite event, but anyway. (laughs) Um, And Eric, my coach at the time was like, she can't do this. She'll not like, she won't finish. Right. Like you have to pull her out. Okay. And I think that's when Ruth, my mum was like, it need like something needs to happen. Okay. And so that was the point where she decided to try to get you help, was it? It was, it ended up forcing me to get help. Right. Yeah. And what did that help look like? Um, it was an ambulance to the hospital for the first point. And then I was admitted to the cardiac ward for a couple of days because my heart was failing. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> let's let's just go back a second here. Okay, so that's obviously very extreme. Yeah. What was happening there. So it got to that point mm. before there was a trigger for any type of help. My parents or, knew. Yeah. But are you talking like external factors yeah. like people from school and like friends and things? I guess just any kind of intervention so your parents obviously would have known and would have been trying to get you to eat more potentially or were you seeing anybody or no I wasn't seeing anybody so I remember I went to the doctors and because mum wanted me to get blood tests to get obviously everything checked Mm -hmm. and I got the blood tests and obviously they check for like potassium phosphate or your like electrolyte levels they check your blood sugar and everything and obviously it came back fucked like mm. it came back like bad and that's the day that I got the went to the hospital because like mum got the phone call and the doctor at the time was like you need to get at a hospital right and that was I don't remember any sort of intervention before I know my parents knew I needed help but again how do you force someone to get help like you can't force them to eat because I wouldn't do it Mm. So the only way for me to get help is because I don't think they wanted to force me and also they're my parents, like I'm not going to listen to them. So the only way at the time was for the hospital to force me because then you go under the Mental Health Act. Right. Okay. And so what what talk me through what was happening prior, just prior to you getting in that ambulance? What was happening to you physiologically? Um. I think I remember everything like falling apart because like my plan, my, um, like my, what's the word when you have my control over everything. It's a control factor as well. For me, anorexia was anyway, like I had a sense of control over something. And so like that had all been taken away from me. As soon as I got in the ambulance, I had no control over anything anymore. Mm. Anything I... Eight did was controlled by the nurses, the doctors, my parents at some form. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned your heart rate as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. How low did that get? 23 from memory. 23. Mm. What does that do to a person um, or can do? I mean, that's why I was, why I was in heart failure is from my so... To get admitted to the hospital with an eating disorder, my understanding, I haven't really looked into it, but from what I have gathered is you need to hit, hit, sounds bad, you need to 
basically tick their boxes in certain aspects. So you need to something it's to do with blood pressure, systolically, like sitting, standing blood pressure needs to hit something. Um, your basal metabolic temperature, your heart rate. Um, I think there's something to do with your BMI or maybe how many kilos you've lost in X amount of time. I don't know the numbers mm. to do with that. Um, so you basically need tick boxes to even get admitted to hospital, right. which is very unfortunate for some people who actually do need help and they un- don't hit those numbers, mm. tick those boxes. Don't say hit those numbers. <laughs> that sounds so bad. Yeah. Um, so, and then the course of the heart failure, I think normally a lot of people who get admitted would go to the, at the time I was obviously an adolescent, so I would have gone to the mental health adolescent ward. Mm. But my understanding is because of my situation, I had to be admitted to the cardiac right. ward. So it's called CCU and they monitor you. Mm. And I also remember, and this was so infuriating for me, I kind of find it funny at the time, but I had to have a special. And because I'm a nurse now, I understand what this is. But um, at the time, I just thought it was someone, it's just an annoying person who just had to keep watching me. Mm. Um, and because I think it's a mental health, you're under a mental health act, I think they also think it's a self-harm situation as well. Right. Again, don't know. Um, was it a no. self-harm situation? Oh, well, anorexia in itself is kind of a self-harm Sure like issue because you are self-harming yourself. But was it something that consciously was... I was doing to self-harm me? Yeah. No, not right. at all. So I... did you know that because if we're talking such a low heart rate... How, I didn't care. How close were you to death? Um, I don't think they can really put numbers on it. I don't think I had months left yeah from what i can gather yeah with a heart rate of 23 like i do have a naturally low heart rate like even now mm-hmm. i will sit in the 30s while sleeping mm. but like i feel like with a heart rate of 23 like you're 23 pulses of death <laughs> like if that's my normal heart rate at that time yeah what would it have been like when i was sleeping yeah right like i can't even imagine yeah. what that was wow i don't really want to yeah no of course and so it wasn't necessarily a conscious thing, but you knew that something was very wrong. I knew I had an eating disorder. Yeah. 100% I knew I had an eating disorder. I was fixated on food. I was fixated on Googling eating disorders and everything, like everything to do with eating disorders, like I knew about pretty much. Um, but I didn't care about my health because mm. I was thin. Mm. Like My health didn't matter. Yeah, right. Did you know that it could have possibly led to your death at an extreme point? I think point. at the time I didn't care. Now looking back that's huge for me to even say because I'm like that's so ridiculous. Mm. But at the time, I mean, you're not eating. Your brain's not functioning. You, The only thing that I cared about was being thin. Yeah, right. That's it. So crazy, isn't it? Mm. Like as you say, thinking back on it. And it sounds so vain to say and like I th- feel like a lot of people – who don't know about eating disorders would just think it's such a vain mental health. Like you just yeah. want to be thin. You just want to like look good. And it's not that. It's, it is it is that on the outside, like sure. But like there's so much more like mental issues that are behind that. It's like when people say just eat, mm. it's not that easy. Mm. Like you'll eat and then you'll feel guilty for a week. 
and then you spiral and then you go backwards and then it's just I just don't feel like people know enough about it either. Yeah, definitely. Obviously. And something that comes up often as well is uh, the description of selfish too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that can't help. No. No, it doesn't. But, I mean, you just take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Like yeah. people can think what they want to think and that's fine. But mm. the best thing is like get more education out there surrounding it, I feel like. Yeah. So you were then in the hospital. Mm-hmm. You had a special who yeah, was right. watching, watching over you. Wasn't allowed to leave me. At that point they were feeding you back up or no. what's the recovery? So that's when... That's another reason, like, when people say just eat a burger, you can't actually do that because it could kill you. It can kill some people. So they do, they, I don't know how they determine if you're going to get refeeding syndrome or not. I think it depends on how quickly you've lost weight, how much weight you've lost. But refeeding syndrome is pretty much if I at that point was to eat a burger, mm. my electrolyte levels, this is my understanding, this could be I don't think it's completely wrong, but uh, <laughs> your like potassium levels, your phosphate levels, your sodium levels, because you have been so like you've been neglecting your body for so long mm. and your body has like gotten used to those levels. Mm-hmm. If you were to eat a burger, your body would go from here to here mm. and it would not be able to cope. It would put your heart out of whack. It would do, it could kill you. Right. So read feeding syndrome well, that is refeeding syndrome, but instead of just feeding me the full diet of what I would have been on eventually, they had to half my meal plan. Okay. So, which I remember thinking was fucking stupid because it was literally less food than I was eating at home. Really? It was, I remember being like, I'm actually hungry, like give me food, but they couldn't. I remember when I was in the cardiac ward um, asking to eat. Like I was actually like hungry. Like I ate food, just not a lot pretty right. much. And because I was exercising so much at the time, uh, okay. like it, I was eating mm. just minimal. Yeah. So I remember being in the hospital and asking for a sandwich and they were like, no, nah, can't give you that. And I remember <laughs> being like, this is the fucking stupidest thing ever. Like, this is why I'm here. Just feed me. <laughs> and they're like, no, nah, can't do that. Interesting. It's the same thing when I was eventually on the mental health ward. They would give me half the meal plan and I was like, well, I can eat. Give me the food. (laughs) And after a week, maybe two weeks, I think, they eventually go to like three quarters of your meal plan and would add a snack. And then they eventually, I think, after maybe like a month, got to like the full meal plan. And then because they take your bloods every maybe twice a week. And they were giving me potassium drinks. They would take your sugars four times a day. So obviously they were like mo- monitoring my blood work. And so eventually I would have got to a normal level mm. and they would can feed me a normal amount. Yeah. Is my understanding of it. Okay. And so at that point, because also you mentioned it's a control thing, you mentioned mm-hmm. that you hated the fact that, you know, someone was there monitoring mm-hmm. you constantly, making you eat as mm-hmm. well, even though you just described that there was some hunger and things there that sometimes you wanted to mm-hmm. eat. But at that point, were you wanting to get better? We talked about this off air before. Um, I got... I realised that if I did what they wanted me to do, I got out of there quicker 
the quicker I got out of there, the quicker I could return to my normal habits. <laughs> you got, you, I got personally very good at manipulating people. My, not so much in the hospital because like they're mental health nurses. Like they see through your bullshit. They're not stupid. <laughs> like they, they get it. They've, this is their job. But like even doctors, like they would be like, how are you feeling? And I'd be like, great. Like, so like I'm doing really well with my meal plan. And internally I was like, I just want to get the fuck out of here mm. so I can go back and right. do it all again. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And I know that you mentioned as well previously, cause you have weigh-ins. Yeah. Right. Every, I think at the start it's every day, Yeah. but I think it ended up being like every Tuesday you would weigh in and you would do a blind weigh in. So you couldn't look at your weight. Okay. Yeah. All right. And what were you doing when it came to weigh-in time? Um, you couldn't do anything. Like in my head, you're, you can't – so everything you put in your mouth mm. is watched. So like you can't skull water, Interesting. for instance. Yeah. Which would make you gain weight. Right. Um. Weigh in time was literally like they woke you up at six a.m. You go on the scale. Yeah, okay. You could go back to sleep. <laughs> that that was it. Weigh in time was, it wasn't even stressful because I didn't, I couldn't see the numbers. Yeah. So okay. like I knew I was gaining weight, mm. but again, my long term goal was to get out of there, to do it again. Yeah. So right. it didn't matter in my head because I was like, I've done it once. Yeah. I can do it again. Yeah. What. If you don't mind me asking, what weight were you when you were admitted? Do you know roughly? Um, I think I was 42 kilos. Uh-huh. And how long did you spend in hospital? Four months. Yeah. Five months. And what weight were you when you left? Do you know? About 48, 49. Okay. Yeah. So you'd put I on a... I was below 50, yeah. I remember. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you'd put on a bit of weight yeah. at least. And so... By the time that you were leaving then, mm-hmm. because you were in there for a few months, mm. were you still of that same mentality after that amount of time? Like, I just want to get out of here so I can return to the same habits? Kind of. I think I had gotten a little bit better, but the fact that it's so centred on food. Yeah. Like, there's no cognitive behavioural therapy that they give you or, like, any other why do you think this way? Like it's, there's no therapy in there. It's just kind of like you'll do activities with the other kids and they're like painting or <laughs> stuff and then you'll eat and someone will watch you. There's no therapy in a sense. So like I don't know how it's supposed to be helping yeah. your mind frame. Like I do remember like feeling probably not as motivated to do it all again. Yeah. But I still had that want. Yeah. Okay. What happened once you left? So once I left, my parents, the not the deal was, but I think it's just what they always do. You have to do some sort of therapy once you leave. You can't just leave and, like, do nothing. Mm. So my parents chose to do there's something called the Maudsley Method, which is a family-based approach. Every week at the start I had to go – to the therapy area with my mum and dad and I would get weighed and we would have like a group discussion and sometimes they would just actually no they always 
would just talk to me and then they would talk to my parents and then we'll all have a like, group discussion. And they would give – I'm not sure if they gave my parents meal plans rather than – it was calories. It was based on calories. It wasn't meal plans. They would give my parents calories of what I had to eat that week. And then it became once every two weeks, once every month. Mm. And then I think it was maybe once every month for six months maybe, maybe less. Yeah. And then you were you went away. And I think that was based on a weight mm. thing. So once you hit a weight, okay. it's all – that's what kind of still frustrates me. It's all based on weight rather than do you feel better. Yeah, right. Like how's your mental health like – Although at the time I would have 100% manipulated it and lied. Mm. But now I'm kind of like, it's all weight factored. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Yeah, interesting. And so after that point mm-hmm. and doing the therapy sessions, mm-hmm. was that when you started to improve and get better? No. Um, <laughs> okay. Step me through what happened so next. that would have been start of grade 12, midway through grade 12, mm. I got out of those therapy sessions, still had to be, someone had to watch me eat in grade 12. So I had to go to the office and eat, which right. was so embarrassing, <laughs> but that's what had to be done. Again, during this time I was manipulating what mum was putting in my lunchbox. I would just take it out and right. get rid of it. Anyway, um, it continued. It actually, I think that year I was still very unhealthy Um, But I remember my worst, like my lowest ever was at the end of grade 12 during schoolies. I remember even like now I see pictures and I'm like, oh, my God, like that's awful. And I think from that time till maybe end of first year uni, it would have been my worst period. So I relapsed immediately and I went way downhill in terms of weight and also because I started uni I was like probably stressed and how to manage the stress like well and so it just completely went totally downhill. So you went again? Yeah. But this time it was worse? Yeah. Worse than almost heart failure? I don't know about my pulses and things because I didn't see a doctor because I didn't go to hospital but in terms of it was my worst weight. Right. How low did you get? 40. Yeah. Okay. And what okay so obviously you didn't go to hospital this time around though Mm-mm. so this is also during a time where my mum had moved out of my family home yeah um and I was just living with my dad yeah and it was so much easier to manipulate one parent versus two parents interesting and because I was at uni just go to uni yeah don't have to be at home the whole day don't have to eat the whole day mm, okay and I think I was still doing – were we still doing athletics at this point? Yeah. I think we were because yeah. I – and that's another thing. I do actually respect my parents for letting me – this might not be for everyone, but I remember my mum going to a conference and they were like – it was the opposite of what most people told you about anorexia. They were always like, you need to stop exercising. And my mum went to a conference and they were like, you need to let your child or whoever is it being affected by anorexia – or the eating disorder, um, do what they still love to do. Because if you take that away, what are they left with? And so mum let me do athletics. The deal was I would have to eat more. But because I loved it and that was my hobby, she was like, you have to let her do it. Mm. Like, 
And my sessions were cut short and because Eric knew about it, like yeah. he didn't let me do anything stupid. Like, yeah. But I'm very thankful that my parents let me continue doing that because I would have had nothing. Yeah, and you probably would have rebelled in your actions yeah, as probably, well. Yeah, exactly. Made it worse. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. And so relapsed, mm -hmm. didn't go back into hospital mm -hmm. or anything like that. So what pulled you out of it that time? I think my relationship at the time that I got into in first year uni. Ah, it was mm. love. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird talking about it now because it's fucking ex. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It was like it's an important part of the journey though, right? Yeah. Okay, so your ex coming into your life mm -hmm. motivated you maybe to... It just became you get into a relationship, you go out to dinner, mm -hmm. like you... Kind of, I think I was embarrassed to be like, oh, I can't eat that. Like, he knew about my eating disorder too because, like, he went to the brother school of the high school I went to. So, like, he had probably gathered that I was unwell. Like, I think a lot of people, I think yeah. everyone would have been like, he's yeah. not well. Yeah. Um, And it was just good in the fact that he, like, made me feel more comfortable around food. Definitely not comfortable. Like, he knew I had issues mm. surrounding food and he never pressured me into like he would never be like no nah, you need to eat that yeah. like it was he just let me do his, my own thing and over time I think I became more and more comfortable and got rid of stupid little things I did mm. surrounding food and I think it just it was a long journey like it probably would have taken me like I still deal with so many issues surrounding food like mm. I always will yeah I feel like but it would have taken me probably Maybe a good, from university, maybe only three years ago for me to actually, maybe even more recently, I don't really know, but like to kind of get, not over it, but deal with it better. Yeah. Okay. And kind of accept the fact that like you need food. And because I train now, like I do weights and everything. Yeah. I think my mindset has now turned into like I'd rather be strong mm. than frail and weak. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned also that the mentality doesn't necessarily go away, right? You mm -hmm. said that there are still things that I still you struggle continue with to every struggle single with. Meal. Every single meal. Mm. It's always a sense of kind of like I was mentioning to my boyfriend currently last night that like I told him that like even when we go out to breakfast there's still like I always used to order like if I had to go out to breakfast which was a huge thing for me I would just order like your bacon and eggs and that's another thing with anorexia that I've gone through is I know exactly how many calories are in everything mm -hmm. so like every single thing I can tell you the calories roughly obviously so like when I used to go out to eat bacon and eggs were the the lowest calorie in my mind mm. because it theoretically is. Like mm. um, it's still to this day if I was to go out, I wouldn't get like bacon and eggs. I'll have a little look at the menu. But there's things like hotcakes mm. or like pancakes, whatever you want to call it, or like um, I don't know, those really big elaborate like big breakfasts. Yeah. Like if I wanted a big breakfast, I still would never get it Yeah, ever. There's mm. no way I would get it. Or like a milkshake. There's no way I'm ordering a milkshake. <laughs> There's just, it's literally taken me probably about until two years ago, and you can probably attain to this, is that I would never order a milky coffee. Yeah. It was always long black. Mm. I fucking hated long blacks. 
I do like them now. Yeah. But, like, I used to hate them. But I was like, I want coffee. Can't have milk. Not allowed milk. Yeah, okay. And what do you see when you look in the mirror now? Do we still have... changes. Okay. Do we still have the body dysmorphia? Oh, God, yeah. That's not going anywhere, unfortunately. I don't think it's going anywhere. Mm. I hope it does, but I don't think it will. I also think because now I do strength training, weights, whatever you want to call it, and, like, I go to the gym... Um, that can also, it helped me, but also, and you know what I'm getting at when I say this is that social Instagram has changed from wanting women to be really thin to now wanting them to be really muscular. So now my mindset is like, I'm not muscular enough <laughs> or I'm not lean enough. And I'm like, oh, this is going to go on for so long. Cause like the ideal body shape for women is constantly going to change. So I'm constantly going to have to look at myself and be like, that's not what, is in trend right now. Mm. So, like, I do look at, look at myself often. And I'm like, I'm not unhappy with what I see, but I could be better. Yeah. So interesting. And I think it's something that all of us go through as well, but probably mm. particularly people who have experienced eating disorders. Yeah. It's a – I correct me if I'm wrong. My mum, for instance, had bulimia when she was very young mm. and she has always said that, the mentality never goes away. It's a lifelong thing. I've heard people say that they've recovered from anorexia and I'm not calling bullshit. That's fine. You can, that's fine. I don't think I'll ever recover from it, unfortunately. I think I'll always have it. And I hope like over the years it like gets less and less, but I know I'm always going to have like feelings of it and like little things with food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I would like to, and you might have to help me out here, mm-hmm. I would like to myth bust <laughs> okay. some things around anorexia. You just kind of sure. triggered me to think that. I so, can only talk about my. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 totally. But, like, for instance, as you just said, like, recovery from anorexia, mm-hmm. I would be inclined to say that you're probably more right, that it is not, maybe not. bullshit. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> I just feel like you've gone a huge part of your life and, like, a dark part of your life, learning all these little, not learning, but, like, believing in, like, certain food things and, like, calories, for instance. Like, you're not going to forget that. Mm. Like, you're always going to remember that. Mm. And so I just feel like even when I'm older, I probably won't give a shit about the amount of calories in the burger I'm eating, but I'm still going to know them. Mm. That's what I'm getting at is... I don't call that fully recovering because I still think when I'm older, I'll have good days and bad days, hopefully more good days, but I'm still going to have a bad day and feel like shit after eating something that I deem as being a shitty food. Yeah. That's not full recovery. Mm. Yeah. In and my I, mind. Yeah. And I think that's not just anyone who's had an eating disorder as well. I think exactly. as you were mentioning before, like gym girlies, mm-hmm. God, we're tough on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult, like, you know, and that's, for instance, I've never personally experienced an eating disorder, but fuck, if I feel that level of guilt or shame in relation to some of the foods that I'm consuming, I can only imagine the experience is tenfold Mm. for someone who has been through an eating disorder as well. Potentially another, it's not so much a myth, but potentially a misconception Mm. around what 
eating disorders are or look like. You were mentioning that you think it is potentially loosely used these days. I know I've been with you once mm. before and I've looked at a woman thinking she's anorexic. Yeah. And you told me not necessarily. And I was yeah. like, that's interesting. It's just I don't think you can really like judge someone from what they look like. I don't know. It's hard to put into words because like I think some people throw the word eating disorder around a lot without knowing what it is. I also feel like eating disorders came into a trend at a certain point and people were throwing eating disorders around because they thought I've got an eating disorder. Like that's, that's like I'm going to be thin or I'm going to, you know, whatever their eating disorder is. And, like, that at the time I was like, this is fucked. Like, eating disorders, like, I've seen videos about people being like, eating disorders aren't glamorised. Like, it's not glamorous. Like, it's it's not what people think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has been in the past thrown around a lot. I'm not sure, like, I think there's more information about it these days. So I feel yeah. like it's not as thrown around the word or phrase as much. Well, I mean, I would equate that to also how people are loosely using depression these days. Yeah. Again, are you sad? You have to be, yeah. (laughs) Are you actually sad? Are you actually sad? (laughs) I'm not, this is like, I'm not saying, I'm not putting shit on people who say they have eating disorder. Like that, I'm, I've got nothing to do. Like, yeah. I believe you. That's fine. But I feel like there is a criteria, there's a definition. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying you don't have issues with food yeah. at all. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But it's like the same with depression. Like I don't have depression and I'm aware of that though. Yeah. Yeah. I get anxious. Mm. I don't think I can be clinically diagnosed with anxiety. Yeah. I think also I, I couldn't comment on this because I haven't had an eating disorder, but I don't know if you were hearing that from people and knowing that you were either going through an eating disorder or had been through one yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know whether you can comment on that, but like I would assume the mentality would be like shut up. <laughs> I don't yeah, know, kind of. But also like I can't just be like shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like you wouldn't know because I don't know. <laughs> it's also what not a competition. <laughs> My exactly. eating disorder is worse than your eating disorder. Some, yeah, literally. But I'm like, I can't say that because I'm like, I don't know what they've gone through. Yeah. Like maybe they are going through it. Like mm. I'm not the person to judge that. It's also none of my business. Yeah. That's a good one. But. Yeah. And we, another kind of myth potentially is something we touched on earlier mm-hmm. is about like if someone close to me has an eating disorder that I can't necessarily talk to them talk to them that was and I didn't talk to you and no one did no one exactly yeah. and I didn't talk to my other friend and I think that's something and it's difficult because an adolescent brain works very differently I think it's different when you're a teenager versus if I had a friend now who different because I've been through it yeah but like let's say I had a friend with depression yeah I would talk to them about it yeah but as a teenager you're kind of like I don't know what the fuck to yeah. do like, and I think one thing in that that I was concerned about that I'm sure other people have might be concerned about as well is the fact that you think talking about it mm-hmm. with that person might trigger them or make it worse. worse. True or false? Depends what you say, mm. which is another hard thing because, like, you wouldn't have known what to say. Like, and I wouldn't have exactly known what would have triggered me at the time. Mm. It's, it's, I think, um, 
I think Hannah, um, one of my best friends, went to my parents. Mm. Um, but also at that stage, it was very obvious to anyone who looked at me. Like, it was it was obvious. Yeah. yeah. But in terms of talking to someone, like, I feel like as an adult, it's so much easier. Whereas a teenager, I don't really know. I don't really know what to comment on that because I don't know if it was my friend going through it at that time, if I would have said anything. Like, yeah. I've got no idea. Mm. Yeah. So it's a, it's a tricky one. And, and like, it's literally, you don't know if you're going to trigger them until you say something, unfortunately. Yeah. Because you don't know what their trigger things are. Mm. I still get triggered by some things that people say and I'm like, why the fuck was I just triggered by that? Yeah. Like, I don't know what I'm triggered by sometimes. And, like, yeah. I deal with, like, I'm not externally triggered. Like, I'm all internally. I'm a bit like, mm, that's a bit off-putting. But, like, I never externalise yeah. what I'm triggered by anymore. Anymore. Yeah. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so... Now you're a gym girly. Yeah. As well. Trying to be. Trying to be. <laughs> you are. You're doing your box, doing your shreds. You're fully into Small it. Box at this point. <laughs> Feel that. Is I'm curious, do you know if there's been any long-term damage that you've caused for yourself being through that? Um my heart isn't 100 percent Don't know the full information of that, but I've somewhat screwed up my heart mm. from being in heart failure. Um, do you mean like health? Other health, health? Health also whether or not you can attribute that eating disorder to any difficulty that you've experienced during shreds. And I know that's difficult ah, to say, right? Yeah. okay. But I'm assuming there may be some factors there too. Um, so I've had two coaches in the past Help me go through like bulk shreds maintenance phase and like I've not for competitions or anything, just for my own like, you know, just to see if I can do it or whatever. Yeah. In a healthy way, obviously. Um, and both of them have found that I don't know, normally you would go on like a cut for you would know better, 12 weeks, I don't know, 10 weeks, yeah. whatever. Um, and like gradually, you like have a graph of your weight, you would gradually, you know, go down, like obviously up, down, up, down, up, down. I would stay the same for the first six, seven weeks. Like, you know, probably down like 800 grams in that time. And my coaches would be like, probably. They don't actually say that to me. But internally I'm sure they're like, what the fuck is going on with this girl? Like why is, is she following my protocols? Yeah. Like, and like I probably would be looking tiny bit leaner and stuff. And I remember the last two cuts ago actually so it would have been 2022 February mm. I think I literally remember and this is probably not how it happened but like I literally remember waking up one day <laughs> after probably eight weeks of this cut and I was down to I'm not going to say calories but like I was down to a calorie number that I should have been losing weight on yeah and because I was actually following protocols yeah. and I was doing gym and I was doing my steps and I literally remember waking up and being like, it's finally happened. I've lost the weight. It's not like I did lose the weight. And from that point to probably another six weeks, the weight fell off. Mm. Like it, nothing for the first eight weeks. And then it literally five kilos. Yeah. Like within that six weeks. 
like obviously that's water weight and like it's not just five kilos of fat or whatever. And it's probably like you probably lose muscle as well because you are eating at a probably lower calories than you should be at that point. But I'm not sure if that's – I'm not sure if I fucked my metabolism up. (laughs) Like and I still feel like you would – I still feel like it's not the best metabolism. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not – I can't lose weight. Um, very quickly if I wanted to, which I don't want to really right now, but I do gain weight <laughs> pretty quickly if I want to. <laughs> yeah, 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 awesome. So I'm and, not sure if that's, like, attributed yeah. to eating disorder. I've got no idea. Like, I know you, I've read things and, like, increase your metabolism by doing this and I'm like, oh, I've been trying to do that for, like, how old am I? Ten years now. Mm. And it's not happened. Yeah, yeah, Okay. So I've got one last question okay. for you. This is a question that I ask all my guests. Mm-hmm. Now it can your response can be in relation to eating disorders mm-hmm. or just fitness in general. Okay. We've talked about a few, I guess, social trends and things like that these days. So my question is that physical is all about breaking the mould, mm-hmm. especially in the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. What would be one mould that you would like to see broken, one stereotype torn down? Really good question. I should have known this was coming. Like I listened to your podcast. It's better to get your your oh response. God. Your response. What I really hate. I don't know if it's a stereotype, but like I hate these trends going round of like you know how we were like having a thin trend and now we have a muscular trend and like I feel like we just need to like be happy in your own body. It doesn't matter if you're muscular and like I need to take my own advice a hundred percent. But like it doesn't help that social media kind of puts in your face, like my whole feed, and I know it is dependent on what you like on Instagram, but like I don't feel like I like a lot of shit full stop on Instagram, but like my whole feed is muscular girls and like lean girls and running girls and like doing triathlons and marathons. And I'm kind of like, can I not just go to the gym twice a week and still be fit and healthy? Like do I have to run a marathon to be fit and healthy? Yeah. Is that a, that's not really a stereotype though. It's a mould. Like it's a mould. Like I'm just kind of like. You be a Pilates girly means you're still healthy and fit. Like you don't have to be a runner or be super lean. You don't have to look a certain way to be considered healthy and fit. Yeah. I don't have to have a huge dumpy. Correct. Right? And I ain't gonna. Fucking capped shoulders, although that would be delightful. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need it. Yeah. I need to take my own advice. Like I'm aware of that. but. we all do. Yeah. We all do. I like that one though. Yeah. Because, yeah, well, trends are always going to change. They're always going to change. So, like, you'll get cap shoulders, you'll get a huge dumpy, you'll get that snatched waist. And then next year, kidding, we actually want a small ass. <laughs> and it's all about the abs <laughs> next year. We're coming, next we're coming year. back to low rise right? things. Low rise can fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next year, we'll have huge calves. And, girl, you'll be fucking it. That'll be my ear. <laughs> Where's the big calf girl era? When's that coming? Right? And like each year is going to, or each two years, whatever it is, each year is going to change. Eventually you're going to go back to being rake thin girls. Yeah. And then you'll go back to being strength girlies again. <laughs> and like you're never going to be good enough. So just do what you want to do. Look what you want to look like. Do what exercise you want to do. Like I love that. Sweet. Good gal. <laughs> good gal. All All right. We're going to wrap there, ladies. That wasn't so bad. I know. <laughs> I know. You did good. See, it's a conversation that's recorded. Mm. 
All right, Physical girls, thank you so much for tuning in to this conversation. I hope that you got some value out of that. I am sure that that story is going to relate to a fair few of you as well who have experienced eating disorders. And I'm also going to be doing, <laughs> continuing on with the Physical monthly giveaway. So in order for you to get either one of these jumpsuits or potentially one of the new sets. I'll decide depending on the winner and what they would like. You need to follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, subscribe to us on YouTube and also leave a review. That is the best way that you can support this podcast and help me to continue speaking to awesome fitness girly guests (laughs) like I have been. So thank you so much for tuning in, everybody, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thanks, pals. Thank you.